everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. With me today again is John. John, how are you doing, man? Uh, awesome. I almost crucified myself like an hour ago, so <laughs> yes. I'm doing fantastic. Yes, tell us about that. So we, we, uh, we're recording the podcast here on Wednesday night, and you, you're taking on some home improvement projects. What you got going on? Yeah, I got real crafty in the last week. Uh, so yeah, you built those um, shelves, you built some game shelves. I saw that. Yeah. So behind me, uh, if you watch the, uh, the cut up, uh, YouTube portions of the, uh, podcast, uh, I would have predominantly Xbox games behind me. And then I had a, a line of PlayStation games. Well, now I look like a super huge Xbox fanboy because I built a shelf <laughs> and it's down in my basement and it has all of my PS4 games on one gigantic, seven foot tall shelf it looks great too. Um, it looks really good yeah and it's uh so i have 460 470 ps4 games on one shelf but now i look like a giant place or xbox fanboy because there's none behind right. me because <laughs> that's all um, you have on display now is the xbox stuff and and i spent like probably 10 hours in the last in the last week just alphabetizing all of those games for playstation and for xbox uh because I, it's annoying. Like I used to, I used to have this uncanny ability to like, I knew what color spine the game was that I was looking for, and so I could kind of quickly scan my games. And uh, now that I haven't worked at GameStop in almost a year, that magical like yeah. stupid I know what color the spine is is going away. So it, it's becoming harder for me to like find the game I'm looking for. It, so it, I, I, it's funny you said that because. I've got a video series that I keep trying to get Jordan to help me with. We used to do it on the Dropcast podcast, but I would have them just tell me the title of a game. They could just pick any game off the internet and I would just tell them what was on the cover. (laughs) And that was like, it was a great game. Maybe that's something we'll integrate here. You know, like we'll just do it for (laughs) you. Like I'll bring one for you and you bring one for me. But you're right. It's just because I can't remember anyone's phone numbers. I can't remember anyone's names, but I can remember what the cover of Time Commando looks like on PS1 because... (laughs) You know, I've seen it so many times and that's just stuck in my brain. So, um, but anyway, now you so got, you, now you got me trying to think of what the hell time commando is. So time, um, time commando is the guy is wearing the, like the yellow bodysuit spandex and he's like kneeling and he's looking into like a portal because okay. it's a time traveling game. It's one of the worst okay. games I've ever played. It's, it's like nice. way up there. Um, but okay. So, so you built the shelves. So yeah, for I built the, built the shelves or shelves last like Thursday. Cause I had the week, whole week off. And then uh, today, I tore up all of the. Uh, I have carpeting in my hallway, and uh, my dogs and occasionally Nicole like to pee on the carpeting, and so it <laughs> smells awful. And uh, like if you were to if you were to be like, I want to be lazy, and I'm gonna for some reason lay on that carpeting. It smells like piss, real bad. And so, I I found a good deal on hardwood floor at Menards. And, uh, so I, I went and bought that hardwood flooring and then I'm not like a half asset kind of person. And so when I pulled up the carpeting, there was laminate. And then when I pulled up the laminate, there was a thick, uh, like spacer of OSB that they put on top of the, uh, the subfloor. So that way they could, they could make the, uh, the laminate the same height as the, the hardwood that's in all the bedrooms and stuff. Sure, sure. And so because because I'm putting down hardwood that's the same width as the stuff that's in the bedrooms, it would be like a half an inch higher 
And so I didn't want to have this weird like step up to walk into the hallway. Sure. And sure. so I, I, I got to experience uh, what it's like to remove uh, a whole lot of particle board and not know any, not have any idea how to do it. <laughs> so that's the best part. Of, that's the best part of the construction job. I was telling you this earlier for any of the listeners that don't know when I was growing up, my dad had his own carpentry business. And so like, and I'm talking, it was just him and then us children working summers. So I worked construction <laughs> every summer uh, when I was a kid, which was fine. Cause honestly I got fat cash for that. Like I, I got paid so pay well. You well. Oh God. Yeah. Like he, he, he always took care of us. Like I remember buying my own PS one, like my, I had, I had a car, I had a PS one. I had all this stuff. My friends were like, Oh, they didn't have anything. And I'm like, <laughs> I got a lot of cash, man. I'll drive. I'll, I'll drive anywhere. Cause you know, I lived in a small town called Rosholt and Stevens point was the big city. We drive a half hour to get to point. So we would be like, you know, everyone's always a broke ass. Like, oh, I can't have gas money. Like, and that was, this is back when gas was like a buck 25 a gallon or buck 50 a gallon. And people were like, oh, I don't have gas money. So I was like, that's cool. I got money, guys. Let's go. And we'd hang out. But <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like the, the construction stuff, my favorite part of construction stuff was always the teardown. Like we did a lot of roofing. Okay. And so like the fun part of roofing is to me was the was the tear off like when when you got to demolish something like man you just took out like a day a month a week's worth of frustration you just 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 destroy something obviously <laughs> for you though you have to be a little more careful because you can't right. t- you can't totally destroy it yeah i didn't want to i didn't want to wreck the uh subfloor underneath the that that particle board so i would like i i was using a skill saw and uh two two by fours to like make sure that I would cut the, the, uh, the particle board, but not go deep enough to hit the, uh, the subfloor. Sure. Sure. It was interesting. And then my stepdad showed up like five hours into me doing that. And he's like, you know, you could just raise the blade of the skill saw. <laughs> I was, I was <laughs> just I was thinking like, that. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, now, you know, for next time. Yep. So, so yeah, then, then I raised the blade and I was like, Oh, this is much easier. <laughs> So, so you've been busy project wise. What have you been playing yes. lately? What's been, what's, what, what's been keeping you busy entertainment wise? Uh, you know, I, for some reason I was watching Nicole play animal crossing on a handheld and it made me want to play my 3ds for some reason. Hmm. And so I busted out the 3ds and I started playing uh, legend of Zelda, uh, link between worlds. Uh, I do like that. Cause well, I, I've had it for seven years, and I, for some reason, the I couldn't get past. Uh... Oh, might have lost you there for a little bit, John. I don't know. You might be, might be having some connection issues here. We'll see. Look, I can hear you. Okay. Yeah, you're freezing up, uh, freezing up a bit there. Okay, now you're back. All right. But yeah, I couldn't get past Ravi like selling you the items, and so like that like messed with my brain and I was like, ah, I don't like it. Okay. And finally I got my head out of my butt and I was like, all right, I'm going to play this. And so now I'm really enjoying it. Um, the links awakening was, or link to the past is my favorite Zelda game ever. Agreed. And the, the 2d Zelda games are by far my favorite. And so playing what feels like a direct sequel to link to the past just feels fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I'm on, I'm on the dark world now. And I'm digging it. Nice. Yeah, Link Between Worlds, when I first saw that the gameplay mechanic they were introducing was that weird, like, turn into a painting and, like, 
you know, like I thought it just looked really stupid. And in the game, it's great. Um, that that game is fantastic. And I totally agree with you. Like Link to the Past was my favorite Legend of Zelda game. I think Link Between Worlds is a better game because it does everything that that game did well and then added more stuff. And so, yeah. and, and I, I am notoriously bad for not playing handhelds. Like I just don't like it. My hands fall asleep when I'm playing handhelds, like it happens all the time. Like my hands go numb. I can never get comfortable. My neck starts to hurt. Cause I'm lean. I, I can't enjoy handhelds ever. Yep. I sat and played that entire game on the 3ds. I didn't care that like, I mean like I just loved it that much and I, and I just tore into it. It was, it was excellent. Yeah. yeah I love that game. I got into dark world. I haven't beaten any of the, uh, the, uh, dungeons in the dark world yet. Um, but I, I like it. I wish they like, they're doing remasters like those those games should be on your tv like i i would like a switch version of that game because you really don't need the the second screen for most 3ds games you don't need the second screen so like nintendo figure it out put your 3ds games on the on the tv let us buy them again yes and they started to do some of the ds games on the wii u and, and I swear, I, I say this all the time, but the Wii U was almost like, literally, they had to be sitting in a boardroom, and they were like, it's like the DS, except for your house. It's got two <laughs> screens, you know? And how they never did a 3DS player for the Wii U, I'll never understand. And not even, a th- I mean, I'm sure it was in the pipeline. I, I, I would almost put money on that it was in the pipeline, even if it was just digital only, where there wasn't yeah. like a physical device that would play your carts, but a way to download 3DS games. I'm sure it was coming, but then just the lack of success for the Wii U just kind of killed the momentum of any project with the Wii U, I don't, think? I don't think Nintendo would have done that because that would have made good sense. <laughs> and I think that the Wii U time frame just lacked all of that. Uh, and I say that because you, you mentioned that they, they put a, a DS game on the Wii U, and you're right, but the game they chose was the stupidest possible game they could which was brain training. Didn't they do like, am I wrong? Didn't they do a Pokemon? Do they not do Pokemon no. Diamond or something? I swear I thought no, they did. No, they okay. did brain training and that is it. That was the only one they brought, huh? Yes. And and brain training at the time when they launched it on the, the Wii U, you could go into any GameStop and buy brain, brain, brain training one or two for like 99 cents. Uh, and every GameStop had like 30 copies yeah. of that game. What were they selling and, it digitally for? It was like 20 bucks. 20 bucks, yeah. 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 And, yeah. like, I had fun with brain training for a bit, but my problem with brain training was it would never recognize me pronouncing the word blue. And nothing is more frustrating than, like, doing those little quizzes where they're, like, they have you do, like, five little mini games, and you cannot get past one because the console won't understand the way you say blue. Mm. Rage is, is it just you though like it's just no a... it is not um because <laughs> okay. i i talked to other people and i also looked online and and it was a common thing that for some reason i couldn't recognize the word blue that reminds me of when i played that game lifeline for ps2 did you ever play that uh i own it i didn't play it but i know what you're talking about yeah so if, for anyone who's listening who doesn't know so life which is fine because it's a totally obscure game but lifeline is a game where it came with a microphone and you were it was for ps2 and you were in like a control room and you had to give voice commands to essentially the main hero of the story and she was trying to go around like this ship 
that was infested, I think, with aliens or something, and you had to guide her by telling her what to do. And so I remember there were points where I was trying to get her to look at something, and the game was kind of neat because they they knew that you may not know the word for something, right? And so they said, well, if you see the color, you can also yell, like, look, and then the color of something, and they'll look at that. And you might, because you have to say things Mm -hmm. like, look, vending machine. And then she's like, oh, it looks like, you know, there's a quarter inside and she pulls it out. So it's almost like a point and click adventure game, except you have to give voice commands to the main character. And I remember there was something it was like a it was it was a suitcase, but the game wouldn't recognize the word suitcase and it wouldn't recognize the word like um, luggage or carry on or bag or anything. It was it only would understand the word trunk. But it wasn't a trunk. It was like it was like a suitcase, you know. I was like, oh my god, it was it was infuriating. And the color wasn't like a color you could describe. It was some <laughs> mix between like brown and purple. And you're like, what? <laughs> Just like look, taupe. Yeah, and and you even had to do that in combat. So it was like turn based combat or or like partially turn based combat. So she'd okay. engage in an enemy, and you'd have to say. Uh, target head shoot 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 and that would use her three <laughs> that would use her three shots to shoot the head three times you could be like target head shoot target leg shoot target arm shoot like it, it was a really neat idea that was not fleshed out and did not have the technology backing it up to make it really good um dom actually played it a lot too so me and him are thinking about okay. doing like a full playthrough of it and just like recording it and live streaming it because it'd be hilarious to try to play that game now i'm sure it's just an utter piece of shit but, have you tried target groin shoot 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 uh i don't i have well i did not but i will <laughs> <laughs> i will in the future um so link link between worlds 3ds yep. excellent zelda game i recommend that as well if you haven't played it it's top tier zelda game but top tier 3ds game in my opinion anything else yes uh i hooked up my turbo graphic 16 last night wow okay um which it's the first time I've played something through an RF in like probably 10 years. Sure. sure. Uh, didn't look as bad as I expected actually. Um, Cause I've got a Sony Trinitron. Uh, so it, it actually looked pretty decent. Um, and I played a little bit of bonk. I played air zonk. And then I played a game called like assault Somer, which is the weirdest game I've ever, or one of the weirdest games I've ever played. Um, do you know what I'm talking about at all? Uh, it sounds familiar to me, but no, I don't think I do. No. So Assault Somer starts out with, it asks you what your birth date is. And so I put in April 14th and uh, it's like Aries. I was like, yeah, okay, what is this game? <laughs> and then uh, it goes to the, um, to the game start screen and you are a pipe. And you are, it's like you're slinkying around the screen Hmm. and you are shooting bullets out of the side of your pipe. And depending on whether your pipe is uh, straight or whether it's uh, uh, U-shaped like a slinky, like the bullets will fire differently. And then you can jump from like the, uh, since you're walking on like the walls and stuff, you can jump from like the wall to like directly across from you. And so it's this weird ground-based side-scrolling shooter where you play a pipe and it cares about your astrological sign. That's hmm. bizarre. Interesting. <laughs> so I played a little bit of that and I played a little bit of uh, Kadash. Um, I, I, the reason why I was testing it out was uh, somebody on Reddit uh, was posting... They, they mentioned that 
uh, oh, the TurboGrafx-16 Mini started hitting uh, stores uh, overseas, and so people were importing them. And uh, one of the guys on Reddit was like, oh, I want I want an original uh, real TurboGrafx-16 for my collection and bonk. And I was like, you know, I think I have two. So I posted in the thread. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I have two consoles. If I got a complete set, I'll sell it to you. And so I came home and I... I was testing out both of my systems and I, okay. I realized that I also had another copy of bonk, which <laughs> nice. is the game he wants to play. And so I was like, all right, yeah, I can hook you up with a console and a copy of the game you want. So, so yeah, I'll send that out probably to in a couple of days, whenever the heck he PayPal's me. Nice. Well, if you ever get to the post office, I know you don't see that place very often. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm never there. <laughs> uh, so what are you playing right now? Uh, so I, I, I finished Final Fantasy seven. Uh, which nice. I'm gonna, I'm, I want to go into. Uh, I played a little. I play a little bit of Heroes of the Storm with my brother uh, and his girlfriend and and one of my friends. It's it's a game they really like to play. I I don't really like it, but I like playing games with them. So, it, okay. you know, I just suck at it, and I and I don't play it enough to get good. So I'm terrible, and it sucks to suck. Uh, and then I played more Warzone. Actually, I got my first four player Warzone first place. Uh, we we did okay. the plunder mode. We got some first places in that. That's the one where you just have to get a bunch of money and you keep respawning. But Warzone, the actual BR mode is like, you know, technically it's not one and done because I don't know. I mean, you know how BRs work. Like typically you die and you have to be the last person standing. Well, yeah. in, in Warzone, when you get killed the first time, you go to the gulag and it's a one-on-one fight against someone else who got killed. If you win, you come back to the game. So it's kind of okay. like a final stand to get put back into the game. Uh, then even if you get killed again, though, if you collect enough money, your teammates can actually res you back from being dead. So it's okay. pretty cool. So there's a lot of ways to get back in the game and keep playing, which is why I kind of like it. You know, PUBG, like it just, I don't know. It, just, I, I just hate how you like you shot your dead and then you're watching your teammates for 45 minutes waiting for them to die. You know, yeah. At least in Warzone, you feel like there's something you can do, even though when you parachute down, you've got no ammo and no guns. So you're pretty much like I. <laughs> Like, all right, I got my pistol now. And then other people you're going to be playing against are fully geared out from because they haven't died. So, um, so I, but we got our first four, four player BR win after we'd had a couple plunder wins. But really, it's Final Fantasy. Uh, Final Fantasy seven. I finished it last, I think it was last Thursday. Okay. And I can't talk too much about it without spoilers because I don't want to do spoilers on here, especially because it's the beginning of the podcast. Like, I don't want people to skip or fast forward and miss something and be worried about spoilers. But, it it's what I can say is that what the game does right, it does very right. And this okay. is kind of what I was saying last week a little bit, but it like when it does something right, when it hits you with the nostalgic feelings, when it hits the music, when it does all this stuff, it's all great. And then they do something just bonkers stupid that like, I just can't understand like why it's there or like, I mean, I, I know why it's there, but I don't know who made that final decision to put it there, you know? And, and final fantasy 15, was a game that was in development for like 10 years. The thing was in trouble for a long time. It switched directors and producers like three times. And that game came out and it it was playable. It was finishable. I finished it. I enjoyed it. But it felt like a game that had been in development hell for 10 years. Like it just (laughs) felt disjointed, you know? Okay. There's parts of Final Fantasy VII Remake where I feel that way. I feel like there were some original ideas here and then someone had a new idea so they implemented it and it just feels kind of rough. But with everything negative I say about the game... I'm very happy I played it. I love it. As a fan of the original, I love it. But without going into spoilers, the ending is a little strange. And that's all okay. I'm going to say about it. And so you have to play it 
to kind of know what I'm talking about. And it's, it's just strange. And, and, uh, you can tell that the guy who has worked on kingdom hearts for the last few years worked on this, you know, like it, okay. it definitely is influenced. Uh, Nomura's work influenced what I think originally wasn't his influence in the project, but it, it is fun, man. I, I really liked it. And actually I decided I was going to go for the platinum. So I started working on it. Platinum sucks in that game. Like it is, it is rough <laughs> after you beat the game and unlocks a hard mode. And then you have to beat every stage on hard, which okay. the good thing is you can do stage select. So you could technically bounce around if you wanted to, uh, until you beat every stage on hard. But in hard mode, not only do the enemies do more damage, have more hit points, you cannot use items at all. Not okay. not out of combat, not in combat. Oh, and not out of combat. Not That's out of combat. So like, how do you heal? So you have M- your MP materia until you run out of MP and then you don't have magic anymore. And there's these like um, bus stop benches that you can sit on that that fill up your life and MP. In hard okay. mode, they only fill up your life. Hmm. So so now I'm getting to the end of the game and I have a bunch of materia. Like I have a bunch of MP bonus materia and I have moves that can leech MP. And so there's okay. options I have. There's even yellow materia, which is ability materia. Though there, There's yellow materia that actually can heal. So there are hmm. options. It's just like, what a stupid thing. Um, the other trophy that's hanging me up a little bit is uh, there's a very famous scene in Final Fantasy VII uh, when you go to Wall Market and you have the uh, you Cloud dresses up like a girl, you know. Yes. And that's not a spoiler, right? That's pretty, pretty, uh, pretty standard affair, and it's it's pretty funny. It's a really cool moment because you're trying to sneak into this pervert's mansion uh, because he knows about where you're trying to go. So Tifa, Aerith, and yourself all dress up. They're already women, but they dress up in attractive dresses. You dress up like woman in an attractive dress. Uh, there's a trophy in the game to get all nine different outfits. So each character has three okay. different outfits, but each outfit is determined by things you do in three different levels, three different stages. So I have to replay Ew. stage three, replay stage eight, and then replay stage nine to get one set of outfits. And then I have to do that again to get a second one. Now they could have made it where if there was no stage select, I would have to replay the whole game three times, which would be really stupid. But it's just one of those things that I just feel like there's not an easy way to do it. You know, it's kind of annoying. How, how long does it take you to replay like those three segments? So area three, I can blast through. And then I had to redo because when I'm doing the other trophies, I'm putting the game on easy and I'm just blasting through the other trophies. And then I decided once I've got every other trophy, I'm going to put it on hard and just go stage by stage, almost replaying the whole game. You know, just just do it. That's that's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to tackle it. And some of the stages like I just recently did one and it took an hour to get through like it wasn't a quick stage it was like it was like a whole chapter was like an hour to two hours I'm like come on this is awful and and a lot of that is really slow moving cutscenes or these platforming things where you have to move robot arms to carry you like i'm just like god it's not it's not <laughs> and and you can skip certain cutscenes, but then sometimes it takes to a load screen where it takes longer to load than what if you just waited for the cutscene to end it's crazy <laughs> man there's weird stuff there weird so I don't know if I'm still going to get the platinum or not, but I, I got like four more trophies today. So I, I am knocking them out at least. And okay. I've got to I've got to finish up one of the last summonses to get it. And then after that, I have to do a bunch of these weird arena challenges. And once I do all those, then you fight the quote unquote ultimate weapon. And I have to do okay. that. Like that's going to be the challenging stuff. 
But once I think I beat all that, then I'll just go. Th- I mean, if I can, if I can get through all that, then I know I can get through the rest of the game. Is kind of how I'm looking at it. So, how do you think they're gonna handle a sequel? Do you, one, when do you think a sequel will, sh- will show up? Now that you've beaten the game, uh, and also, do you think in the sequel are they gonna do the Metroid thing where they like strip you down to like level one, or are they gonna let you carry over your stuff? to the next one like do they have a level cap in this game or would yeah. they let you hit 99 there's a level cap of 50 in this game so okay. my guess is going to be that it, you can load your old characters or if you just start part two by yourself which you, obviously somebody will do i mean you wouldn't want to it'd be really terrible idea but <laughs> someone will start player two and i'm assuming they're just going to give you a level 50 character okay that would be my guess i i, I don't know but i can't really answer your question because of how the game ends. And and that's probably almost even possibly spoiling things already. But I would say the next one will probably be out in about two years. Okay. Um, I don't think it'll be any sooner than that. It might even be longer. Um, because the game is, you know, evolving. You know, and and, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I can't really say much else. But, uh, and I can talk to you off, if you ever, if you don't care, I can talk to you off the podcast about it sometime too. But it's, sure. um, it, it is... It's it's different, you know, and so it's different enough where you could just see him going crazy with it in, okay. in a subsequent sequel because it ends essentially right where you leave Midgar, kind of, you know. So like like you're outside of Midgar, and then um, which in the original Final Fantasy VII takes about six to seven hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then and then this game it took me forty two hours to do the exact same thing. Uh, what level would you normally be leaving Midgard in the original playthrough if you weren't grinding your ass off? Oh, what level was I? I mean, if I had to guess, it, I don't know if you start at level one in that game. I can't remember. I should check the stream. But if I had to guess, like if you start at level one, probably level 10. Like it's, oh, it, wow. it's, it's okay. not very, yeah. Like the Midgar section of of uh Final Fantasy 7 is not very long like I mean but but okay. ultimately I mean it's it's a it's a quarter of the game maybe a fifth of the game because I mean Final Fantasy 7 you could put down in 30 hours pre- pretty realistically so okay. like six seven hours um you know it isn't in the grand scheme of things isn't a whole lot but so uh how many times have you played the original Final Fantasy like are you are you, would you consider yourself to be a hardcore Final Fantasy fan uh, for seven? Yes, but you know what's funny about me is oftentimes, and this is what happens with Metal Gear as well. I oftentimes play a game only a few times. In the case of mm-hmm. Metal Gear, I only typically play them one time. And with Final Fantasy seven, I think I played it maybe three times, three or four times all the way through. But okay. I, I but I love so much about the game that I. I dive into every other aspect of it. So I only play the game a few times, um, but I'm definitely a, a, a diehard Final Fantasy VII fan. It is my favorite, and the music's my favorite. The characters are my favorite. And Do uh, you... Excellent. How how many games do you think they'll go? Like, uh, as far as, like, part one, part two, part three, whatever. And also, do you feel like they're incorporating some of the Crisis Core, Vincent... Uh, and uh advent children content into the game or do you think that that's kind of off to the side well so as far as multiple parts i also really can't answer that question um without spoiling too much of the end so 
I would say though, realistically, I, I could see it being a trilogy. That would okay. make sense to me. Um, you know, because if it's going to take a couple years per game, um, and then, uh, officially my understanding is Advent children is not considered Canon. Okay. But Nomura directed Advent children. So you'd have to think if he directed that movie and that he was then in charge of the project of the remake, that he would make those cohesive experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, as far as Crisis Core goes, Crisis Core is pretty well established as the prequel to Final Fantasy VII. So as far as I understand, that is all canon and would be you know factored into the story and everything. Okay. Um. Do you could you see a possible re-release of Crisis Core where they make it make more sense? I could see that, or or I could see what they did with Type uh, Type Zero HD, which is just a straight port and just port it to the PS4 uh, as a Final Fantasy game. Just do it. I don't see why not. Yeah. Um, it, it's a fine. It's it's a fine enough game. It'll stand on its own. You know. I mean, I don't know if I'd sell it for sixty bucks, but I mean, you could. They could port it, no problem. Oh, I mentioned I said Crisis Core, but I was thinking Advent Children, like a like a redo of that movie. Because I oh, when right. I watched it, I was like, this doesn't feel like it makes a lot of sense. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, the first watch, and then the second watch, like you pick up on some other things, and then the third time after you watch it, you go and watch a YouTube video, and you're like, oh yeah, 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 that all makes sense now. <laughs> um, it, it no Advent Children's pretty pretty sloppy like like yeah it was a a visually it was stunning it was neat to revisit characters that i hadn't seen in ages but as someone who's a fan of the story i watched it the first time i was like i don't know what's going on (laughs) i don't know i don't know what's happening to me it was like man this this looks beautiful why can't they just why can't this just be a remake of the of seven like yeah that would have been awesome just do an animated seven movie my god be incredible well, or just straight up use those character models uh, eight years ago when when Advent Children came out. Yeah. Well, and you can tell that Advent Children inspired a lot of the look for the remake, but that's fine. Yeah. I, I prefer that, that there's a little bit of, you know, consistency between the media properties of a, of a, of a game that stretches so far. Um, there's, also a, there's also a game called Before Crisis. It, you, I think you play as the Turks. Um, so there's also like another, there's like another prequel that was only available, I think on mobile phones in Japan or something like that. I, I watched a video on that and I think it was like a weird, there was a weird motorcycle Final Fantasy game where you did like, you were constantly riding Cloud's bike and Mm. attacking enemies and stuff. And they would have like ultimate ultimate weapons and they had like the summons and stuff uh but (laughs) then they they disabled the game like you couldn't play it outside of a japanese uh um cell network and then they disabled the ability to even play the game like a year or two in yeah well that's uh, the same thing they made a metal gear game for the end gauge but it was downloadable only Okay. Like I want this. I want to play it. Like I don't. And then we had an engage at the store, and I was talking to a customer about it, and he was like, "Oh yeah, yeah. There's ways you can get it, and you have to do this and that." I'm like, "I I tried, and I couldn't get it." And I'm pretty savvy with that stuff, like the soft modding and getting, you know, getting that weird stuff working. But what was that game? Because I've I have an engage, and I have most of the library for it, and I'd never even heard of that. Yeah, it was a download only in Japan. Let me me find it real quick. Um. 
they released N-Gage games in Japan. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid Mobile for the N-Gage. Okay. Well, because um, there was... There were crappy phone games that were just on, like, your Sanyo, like, flip phone. And it was probably just a port of that. See, it actually says that it was released worldwide. And that Konami okay. offered the game as a paid download or pre-installed in a Metal Gear-branded cell phone. <laughs> it takes place between Metal Gear Solid and Metal Gear Solid 2 after okay. Revolver Ocelot is like technical information on Metal Gear Rex to the world hmm. now are there pictures of that Metal Gear phone and oh, man. do you need it <laughs> <laughs> well now I might actually <laughs> remember the Matrix phone that you could buy that was like it flipped open uh, and then the screen was black and green in the time frame where there were full color screen phones. <laughs> so I, uh, I don't know, man. I don't, I don't see a special phone. This guy's got like a Nokia phone that he got Metal Gear Mobile working on it, but the phone itself hmm. isn't like a special Metal Gear phone. You'll have to do some Googling hmm. and see if you need to buy yourself some sort of weird green snake skin see now that would be rad <laughs> pattern phone i'd buy that in a snake, second snake skin flip phone i would i would buy that in a second um but all right so uh we got a couple stories we're going to talk about today first we're going to talk about the nintendo switch shortages and partially why it can be blamed not just on high um you know, want for the device, but also because people are using reseller or resellers are using bots to purchase things. So we're going to talk a little bit about that and reselling in general, which is an interesting topic because I literally for a living, am a reseller. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> but obviously not using necessarily the tactics of these people. Uh, and then secondly, we have a little bit of info about, so Bloomberg did a story about Sony and uh, about the PlayStation 5 and how the output in the first year in the first at the end of their first fiscal year of release how they're going to release less consoles than they released for the PlayStation 4 so there's actually going to be less PlayStation 5s than there were PS4s so we're going to talk a little bit about that and then lastly John brought up today we're going to talk a little bit about some NPD data, which is um, basically it's sales data when it comes to, well, a lot of different things, but there is a video game details, consoles, video game um, software, and how well it's sold in the month of March. Now, obviously, uh, a lot of people have been off of work. (laughs) Um, A few few bangers have come out in March of some really impressive games, but we're also in the last leg of a console cycle so you know a lot of these things normally you think you have the industry figured out where it's going to be a slow year as you wait for new consoles to come out and then some crazy stuff comes out so well uh, and it's bizarre because the um the numbers are considerably up from last year and you can't walk into a store right now (laughs) like yeah you can't for the most part go into your local GameStop and shop the wall so having npd numbers be huge is kind of crazy because for the most part, a lot of the world is locked down. Yeah. And um, it, so yeah, that that was the big reason why I wanted to talk about it was that, like to me, it, it's kind of mind blowing a little bit. Like I understand that people are um, at home and they want they want to entertain their kids or they want to entertain themselves by buying a game, but for the fact that it's so high, considering you do have to jump through hoops to get the product, that surprises me. 
Well, let's get into it right away, actually. Let's just do that one first. So basically, um, as I said, we're the article I'm reading here, NPD data, the Nintendo Switch sales double in March, and Animal Crossing breaks records. Sales of the Nintendo Switch console doubled year over year in March, according to the latest U.S. numbers from the NPD group. The data confirms spiking interest and time spent playing with Nintendo's latest hit device. It's been near impossible to find a Nintendo Switch to purchase in recent months amid stay-at-home orders. The latest Animal Crossing game, meanwhile, has turned into a cultural phenomena and a quote-unquote coronavirus therapy. The Switch set an all-time record for hardware unit sales in March... NPD reported eclipsing Switch sales during its launch in March of 2017. Okay, so the Switch sold more units in March of this year than it did March when it launched. The console also set another record for highest first quarter unit sales of any hardware platform since the Nintendo DS in 2010. Animal Crossing New Horizons, the popular animated community-based game that lets users build lives on islands with a virtual society, launched March 20th and was the best-selling game in the U.S. for March, which is pretty impressive since it came out in the back third of the month. Yeah, uh, It's already the second best-selling game of 2020 and the best-selling Animal Crossing title ever. NPD said the game, quote, achieved the third highest launch month physical dollar and unit sales of any Nintendo published game in tracked history. So what they're saying there is it's the third largest official Nintendo released product uh, game, I should say software, not like a unit of of a, like not like hardware or anything. Um, So the third highest. So when you think about that, you think about all the Mario games, all the Zelda games that this animal crossing game came in third. I believe the two games ahead of it are both smash brothers. Oh, that'd be, you know, it'd be interesting. I wish I had that in front of me. I'm pretty sure it's, uh, Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, and then I think it's uh, Melee or the the Wii one Brawl. Really, I I would almost wonder if it was if it was Ultimate and then Breath of the Wild. I I well, I was listening to a different podcast and they talked about oh all right. the the games that were ahead of it. So I think they're both Smash they're both Brothers. Smash I could Brothers. be I could be wrong, um, but I think they are both Smash Brothers. But I'm I'm shocked by Animal Crossing's performance because, like, it's it was such a niche game for a long, long time, and now half the damn planet is playing it and talking about it, and so it's it's weird to have people that you'd never expect to be playing something that, in in my opinion, is so niche, and be like, oh, dude, what are your turn up prices like? Hey, I need to get on your island to sell things, which is funny because I yeah. did this to you for my wife. Uh, <laughs> yes, you did. And thank um, you. But hey, that was fine. No, that was fun. And and there is a sense of community in this game that's really neat, especially in a time where we can't get together. I, I And I know other people have said this, and I will agree with it 100%, and I will echo it. It was the perfect game at the perfect time. I mean, if you're going to yeah. get want to get sucked into a game that kind of pulls you out, it takes a long time to do stuff. You, you don't really have a purpose. You know, you're just kind of doing things on your own. This game ate up time. It ate up a yeah. lot of my time and, and in a good way, you know, I was really happy to, and I, I, I absolutely love it. I, and, and this is animal crossing is the definition of a system seller. That game alone is pushing units. Um, yeah. Like at, at my store too. I know I joked about this last week on the podcast, but my store, 
I mean, I've easily had 30 to 40 messages asking if we have switches in, in the last <laughs> week. And it's crazy um, because you can't find them anywhere. Uh, and yeah. it's, it's not, it's not that they aren't out there. It's just that everybody's looking for them. And so it's almost like that Christmas rush, except it's in March because no one can leave their house or no one should be leaving their house. I think a lot of the, the demand for switches where people feel like they're not finding them, I think is that they want the $300 one. I think that people are probably looking at the, the switch Lite and looking at it like a lesser console. Cause I see switch lights in targets and walmarts switch lights I don't see the regular ones yeah switch lights are definitely in stock more than regular yeah. switches and and you're right and and i i think arguably that i mean the switch light it's definitely situational and someone out there does appreciate that hardware but for me it's like a no-brainer to get the 300 dollars switch or like at our store they were used for 250 you know like get a used one of those for 250 instead of a new light for 200 just like the the options you have with the, the versatility of the system, you know, for that extra yeah. bit of money. But now but I do really like the switch light personally. Um, but I, I never I play my switch on the TV. So yeah, I, I like the switch light as a system. I think it's really comfortable and I think it's big, you know, and I'd rather yeah. have a bigger handheld. Like I'm not really big on, Oh, it has to fit in my pocket or anything like that. So, so yeah, I'm definitely with you on that. Um, and so it, it goes on to say that, uh, there is a synthesis between this game and this time in history that will leave the two forever connected in the world of video games. Uh, this is kind of what you were bringing up, John. And I'm going to repeat it here, but overall hardware spending, okay, overall hardware spending was up 63% in March to 461 million. PS4 and Xbox One unit sales, which have been dropping as Sony and Microsoft plan to release new consoles this holiday, grew by more than 25%. Now, normally... I would say, you know, in March, I'd be like, well, you know, if a really big game came out, you're going to have a bump in hardware. Um, I don't see that software anywhere for Sony. I don't know what Sony would have had or Microsoft specifically would have had that would have pushed units um, unless people were buying systems in March for Final Fantasy seven. <laughs> but I, I don't think that was the case. That's not usually how it works. Um, so we might see the PS fours were still going up in April because of Final Fantasy seven coming out. Unfortunately, they're sold out everywhere. So they're not going to break any records if you don't have any units sitting in the stores. Well, and I think, I think the reason why console sales went up in March is because of the stay at home orders. People are bored and they're, they're ordering systems and they're buying them in stores. Yeah. So that way they can plop their kid or themselves in front of the TV and play some games. I, I talked to my former employee that still works at GameStop. And, uh, I was talking to him and he's, he's like, we have no consoles in our store. Like they, when they started doing ship from store more, uh, to deal with the whole, um, not being able to, to deal with walking customers, they been shipping out every single console they had. Yeah. So they, their, their system room where they keep all their consoles is literally empty because they have nothing to sell, which is crazy to me. Yeah, we've we've got some handhelds, but we're out of PS4s, Switches, Xbox Ones. Like, we're out of all that stuff. And and we've actually been closed. My store's been closed since March 17th. So we were we were essentially out of that stuff before then. And that was part of the reason that we did the, the you know, we closed was because the weekend before the mandate was kicking in, it was like the busiest weekend we've ever had that wasn't a sale. 
it was crazy how busy it was and people were blowing out systems because kids were going to be off school. Like people were coming in because they knew their kids were off school for at least a couple weeks. And all of a sudden it was, you know, and that was part of the reason we had to do the, the shutdown is because we knew people wouldn't choose to stay home. They would still come to our store assuming we're essential because it's essential that they kids don't drive them nuts <laughs> by getting them some <laughs> video games. Um, and then this last, uh, this last part about the article spending across all us video game hardware Software, accessories, and game cards reached 1.6 billion, which is up 35% from last year, and the highest reported spend for a March month since 2008. Yeah, that's crazy. So, so in in a year where the Switch would arguably be in its kind of, you know, I think this this part of a console's life, the Switch would be hitting home runs, which obviously it did with Animal Crossing. Switch is in it's it's in that part of the console life cycle where it's got a steady flow of software and it's solid. There's no looking to something new in the future, nothing on the horizon. But you have the other two consoles, arguably the the main consoles. I can't really say that now because the Switch is a, is a powerhouse. But you know, for the most part, um, you have two consoles that are uh, essentially going to be obsolete hardware <laughs> very in, quickly in, in six seven months, and uh, and and. Yet everything, hardware, software, accessories, and game cards have increased up 35%. Now, I would love to see a breakdown. I wish I had that of how much game cards went up, how much software went up, like physical software, because you can still buy this stuff at Walmart, Best Buy, Target. But, John, my question to you then is, since we're both ex-GameStop guys, how do you how do you square their comments from why they had such a bad fourth quarter to this when they say the reason they had such a bad fourth quarter was because what they told their shareholders was that the reason is that it's the end of a console life and the end of the console life always means sales are down across the board how do you square that with this which gaming is up 35 percent well i think that this is very much a result of the the pandemic we have going on right now because people can't leave the house because they need to occupy their, their time. They can't go to the bar. They can't, they can't go to a movie. And so how do you, how do you bring entertainment home? So I don't think that software would be up this high without this pandemic going on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think this is a very weird, uh, weird result of this awful awful thing that we're going on or going through is that gaming is actually doing really well um which i would not have expected because and I, that's probably why um so gamestop is going to be reopening their stores in georgia and one of the other states that's like blowing their doors open and being like we're good everything's fine um so they want to open up in Georgia again, and I'm guessing they want to open up in Georgia again because they know that right now stuff is flying off the yeah. shelf. Yeah. But do you think that the other stuff is flying off the shelf as well? Like, are are the Fortnite socks flying off the shelf? Are no. The, are the PUBG <laughs> pans and the Dragon Ball Z statues, are they flying off the shelf? Or is it just I think the toys stuff? would be good, doing okay. Like, because, I mean, you're... As as somebody who who possesses a child, um, uh, you like 
I, I I definitely have been like buying more like little random crap for her uh, because you your kid's stuck inside and you gotta you gotta keep them occupied. Yeah. So like my my wife is working from home like right right there across from me, and uh, so in order to keep my daughter Lyra from climbing all over her while while she's on the phone, you got to figure out a way to to occupy her time. No, it makes a lot of sense. And I knew as soon as the kids were off of school that we were going to get busier, you know, and, yeah. and, and that was part of the, the, the tough part about the decision that I had to make about closing was, you know, do I close or do I stay open as long as I can to get that last weekend of sales, to get that last week of sales. But, you know, sometimes you got to do what's right for other people, um, not necessarily always what's right for the business. And I get to say that because I own my own business, which is nice. I know a lot of people don't have that luxury, um, but still really interesting stuff. Um really interesting numbers and i i think you're right i think it's just a piece of the pandemic uh mm-hmm. that that it's it's showing i think how important like our escape is you know and like so it's not just that we need something to do but it's like when you're locked in what do you do whenever there's anything bad in the world going on what do you do you come home and you relax you play some games you can still interact with people and these mm-hmm. are kind of like the good things about gaming i feel like this this is what i love about it is that it's you can you can interact, you can be social while sitting by yourself at home in your underwear. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah. Um <laughs> that's another thing. You mentioned interacting with people. Um if if you've been to a Walmart in the last month and looked at their video game section, their headsets are wiped out. Yep. yep. Um there's nothing. Um I was also looking for um I was looking for a webcam. Uh in a because when before my computer uh, took crap like a couple weeks ago, I was gonna get a webcam and I was actually gonna try and be a little bit more professional than filming it with a phone sure. using rubber straws <laughs> as a phone stand. Um, but there were no webcams on the shelves at Walmart or Best Buy or wherever, and um, and people are actually using scalping programs to buy webcams and to buy computer equipment. Uh, as well so it's it's weird like a lot of these tech items that that everybody's needing are selling like hotcakes uh the one thing that surprised me about the nb npd numbers as well was um i resident evil beat doom eternal uh which i did not expect resident evil 3 to beat doom eternal because resident evil 3 was only on um it was only out in march for like a couple days Mm-hmm. And then it's like review wise, Doom Eternal is getting very, very, very good reviews. And Resident Evil is the opposite. It's getting pretty mediocre reviews. And it's also most of the reviews are saying it's really short, whereas Doom's got quite a bit of replay value to it. And it's a little unfortunate that 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 game is getting overlooked because it's it's definitely a better game. I, I've been feeling a little bit of like I've actually had a bunch of people that I was surprised to say that they were expecting to love it and they didn't. Doom Eternal, mm-hmm. um, Resident Evil Three, I I enjoyed it, but it was a tough sell at sixty bucks for the amount of content right. you get. But I think the success of Resident Evil Two was always going to carry Resident Evil Three. You know, it's funny. A lot of times you don't see the negative performance of a title until the game after the next one. You know, because like like say with Resident Evil Three say they remake Resident Evil 4 next, you might see a dip in the sales of that game because Resident Evil 3 wasn't as popular. But Resident Evil 2 killed it. So, of course, yeah. 3 was going to sell and just blow up. 
and then uh, you know and then there was going to be uh, you know and then maybe it'll affect sales later on but it was it's not going to affect the next game it's the the quality of the previous game is what's affecting the sales of the current game but uh, I also think Doom like I, I feel like they did a huge marketing push but I wasn't seeing the average person talking about that game if that yeah. makes sense, you know, like I, I definitely saw the marketing. I saw everything. I saw a lot of people really excited for it. And I've talked to people that loved it. Uh, but I, I just felt like the, the average person wasn't talking about that game as to where Resident Evil three, it just seemed like that was that. And Final Fantasy seven and animal crossing were like, everybody was waiting for. And even animal crossing for me, like a week before it came out, I was kind of like, Oh yeah, that's coming. You know, it was weird. Like I wasn't even kind of in animal crossing mode and it ended up being like the game that saved my sanity over the last yeah <laughs> i picked it up on a whim and i just threw it in front of my wife and i was like here play this and she's enjoying the hell out of it although now now i i think i have might have turned her slightly into more of a gamer than she's been in years nice. because uh after like a couple days ago i i tossed the uh, yoshi crafted world at her because i've owned it for a while and i was like hey uh if you're bored of animal crossing i have this yoshi game because um, Nicole's favorite uh, game of all time was Yoshi Story on the N64. And so I figured she might enjoy Crafted World, which I hate the Yoshi Story games. <laughs> all right. But I enjoy the gameplay of Crafted World. Like the, uh, they changed it up enough where it, it has some unique concepts that I enjoy. So hmm. I she's playing that a little bit. And she's she said that uh, it's nice to have something that that is a change of pace because you can only like run around and like smack rocks so many times. Mm. Mm-hmm. Hey, when you got to make that money though, when you owe, when you owe Nook the crook 2.5 million for your basement, you got to do whatever you can to make that money. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. That was some, that was some neat numbers though, man. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause there was some really interesting stuff there. Yeah. So next up on the podcast today, everybody, we're going to be talking about the Nintendo switch shortage. And this article I came across on Kotaku that uh, the headline, Nintendo Switch shortages can partially be blamed on resellers using bots. Now, John, there's a part of me that that says, I don't know if I even want to talk about this and mention things because all we're doing (laughs) is spreading awareness to a, you know, a useful piece of software for a a, a would-be flipper. Yeah, but let's uh, let's get into it here. So the uh, the article goes on to say the current shortage of Nintendo Switch consoles is frustrating many, and it seems resellers and bots are partly to blame for the current situation. Over the last month or so, it has become extremely hard to find and buy a Nintendo Switch. Part of the reason it has become so tricky to snag a Switch is a lot of folks are staying home and want to play games like Animal Crossing. But another reason the consoles are nearly impossible to buy is thanks to an easy-to-use and totally free bot that allows people to buy dozens of Switch consoles at once. Uh, This information comes from a recent Motherboard article. They also report that this easy-to-use bot is called BirdBot. Don't use it, anybody listening to this. Called BirdBot. And is an open-source and totally free bot developed to buy up items from online stores the second they're back in stock. The creator of the bot originally built it and used it for sneakers but has become the backbone behind a growing community of resellers who are using it to snatch up hundreds of Switch consoles the moment they are back in stock. The community has even set up a large Discord server where they share tips and photos of their haul. <laughs> yeah, I, I think in that article they have a, a uh, picture of um, uh, a, a shipping box oh, filled GameStop. with uh, GameStop <laughs> Switches. Those People are not 
well, I guess maybe somebody bought those all from GameStop at once. Yeah. Um, uh, they go on to say the resellers are able to flip some of these consoles for $500 or more with some Animal Crossing themed consoles going for 700 A Switch normally costs around 3 to 350 depending on the bundle and store. Um, a full report from Motherboard also explains that many of these resellers are using the recent stimulus checks that many in the U.S. have received to help buy more Switch consoles and are hopeful folks with more money will be willing to pay their higher prices. So that's the story. Um, I guess there's not really much new here. Let's be honest. Um, this is something that's been going on a long time. I, I've, I know, John, you and I are both familiar with Limited Run Games. Yep. And Josh uh, from Limited Run Games has been tr- dealing with this bot situation forever. I mean, ever think ever since I think their site was up. So he gets creative with it. He'll do things like he'll put up he well, I don't think they have to anymore because they have a pre-order system, but they used to. Mm-hmm. He used to put up a skew with like a crazy price, like a $900 price on a game or something. Okay. And they would sell tons of them at that price because the bots would come in and buy them all up. Okay. And then he had to go in personally and cancel all the orders, but that was meant to like so that he could switch it up at the last second or something. Cause you know, they make like the page and then once the page is up for the product, then the bots can go there and do their thing. Interesting. So, I did so, not know that. Yeah. I, I know, I know that Josh has done it before. Cause I remember seeing his like a year ago, seeing him post on Twitter about how he's like, I just had to manually go in and cancel like a hundred bot orders. And it was, and he would talk about how they would spend, like, I think he would put the games up at like a couple hundred bucks a piece or even a thousand dollars a piece. <laughs> and, and they would Dude. sell out. Don't cancel. Ship yeah. them the product and and, and make your hundred thousand dollars. Change it to a. Well, you know what's sad is he's probably limited. Like he probably can't sell it over MSRP because he's probably locked into a contract. But yeah, I'm with you on that. Like just be like no return. Sorry, suckers. Um. So I on, on the podcast before I've talked about it. So anybody who's watching the video or listening to the podcast who doesn't know, I own my own video game store. So uh, I am sometimes like I, I would be very close to what a lot of people would refer to as scumbag resellers, right? You buy stuff low and you resell <laughs> it high. Now I, I personally take that responsibility very seriously. I typically only resell things that I buy in my store from customers. Although sometimes I go to rummage sales and stuff like that because, Hey, we all got to hustle. We all got to get more product for our stores. Um, but I want to ask you, John, since you are a collector and you used to work at GameStop for a while, but you certainly don't own your own video game store. What are your yep. thoughts, like, when you see this, that there's resellers using bots to buy up all this product and then resell it for, you know, 500 instead of 300 Like, what is what is your initial feeling when you, when you hear that? Well, the original creation of the, of the bot for buying shoes makes sense because, like, Nike makes one-off shoes and they sell out in seconds. I really wanted a pair of and, those PlayStation sneakers. You know, right. Like I tried, man. I tried. I tried. Anyway, I don't sorry. know if you've <laughs> ever. I don't know if you've ever looked at um, when when they have um, crazy expensive shoes that go up. But uh, years ago, there was, um, and I, I could be wrong. If anybody's a shoe fetishist or whatever they're called, um, don't don't get pissy about if I'm wrong. But um, there were there were like these uh, galaxy designed foam posit Nikes. And uh, I looked them up online because uh, at the time we were like, I was worked at the mall right next to the, the shoe place. And so the, one of the guys mentioned it and I looked up the price on eBay and there was a guy looking for a specific size of that shoe. And he's like, 
I will trade my Cadillac Escalade for a pair of these shoes. Uh, That's so, crazy. So yeah, shoe collectors are nuts, and it definitely makes sense as to why you might need to set up a bot so that way you can sure. actually get the thing that you want. But when it comes to consoles and and like stuff like this, like I it pisses me off to okay. no end. And <laughs> there it is. I. I used to, like, when I worked at GameStop and we had people that were trying to do reseller garbage, we shut that crap down. Like, I I would just be like, nope, I'm only selling you one of these. Sorry, you don't like it, too bad. Um, especially with, like, when when Wii was selling, like, hotcakes and um, and you, you couldn't find those consoles and people wanted to buy, like, everything you had. Like, we knew the people that were resellers and we would just be like, dude, no. Because I would rather sell that to somebody else that's actually going to enjoy it and be my customer than to sell it to some jerk who's not going to come back to your store ever and is going to sell it on and he doesn't care about the person he's selling it to and he doesn't care about the person he's buying it from. So, so yeah, I, I have a pretty low opinion on resellers for the most part. Um, sure. And, but it also depends on your tactics. Like... Some people that are doing it are really scummy and they're really jerks. And like, because we dealt with a lot of uh, pop figure uh, stuff at GameStop and you'd have the people that would just, they would look for a specific type of pop and they would be a dick about it and they would wreck your section looking for it. And it's like, dude, even if I had it, I wouldn't want to sell it to them because they're, they don't care. They're not, they're not nice. They're not willing to talk to you. They're not. Yeah. They're, they're just. They're just there to buy it, flip it, be gone. Hot Wheels is like this too. Um, the I, I've got a buddy that's really into toys, and uh, there's there's some guys in Green Bay that will use BrickSeek, the the inventory sure. tracker for Target and Walmart, and they'll figure out when Target has new Hot Wheels in stock, and they will show up that second to go through their boxes of the 72 box or 72 car cases. Yeah. And they'll pull out all the treasure hunts and stuff. And then they'll, they'll buy them all and uh, they'll buy the same thing five times because they want to flip it uh, and make a buck off of it. And for me, it's like, isn't your time worth more than that? Like, like well, that, you're willing, you're willing to yeah. be at target every morning to, to do that. I remember when uh, at GameStop we carried the McFarlane sports figures, and every box okay. had a had a variant figure, so it had like a chase figure. So it would be like, say it was NFL players, you'd have a Tom Brady in his white uniform instead of the blue uniform, and so that was your chase variant. And there was always one per box, and some variants were rarer than others. So for a while, people would pre-order a whole box, and then they would return all the figures except the chase. <laughs> like you know, and and and, and I, I guess. I understand how hard it is to get some of this stuff sometimes as well, especially day one. Like, yeah, you know, and, and the companies feed off of this. They feed off of the people who are crazy and want to get this stuff day one. And so they make a limited amount and they, they don't, they are very vague about when it's going to be out. And I mean, even in this, not that limited run did that, but limited run played off of that mentality for many years too. Like they gained all of their popularity over the thought that their stuff was so hard to get and was going to be worth a bunch of money someday that, you know, the, so the fans, you know, so the fans went nuts for it and they, you know, they thrived in that environment 
you know, and I'm not saying they supported it, but they knew it was happening and it was kind of what made their company special in the beginning was this place makes games. They're hard to get their hands on. And if you don't get it right away, you're not going to get it ever, you know, and that's a selling thing, you know, so I get it. So companies take advantage of us that way too. Um, But then, you know, so I understand how it is as a customer trying to get these things for a personal collection. Um, There's also something which I actually don't really dislike I guess, but there's a lot of people too that want to buy multiples because they want to trade their extras for one that they need from somebody else. So like they'll buy all the variant figures, even though they already had two of them and they'll take the other two to a forum on Facebook or or a web forum or like a Facebook group. And they'll say, Hey, I've got these two. I'm looking for these two. We'll trade even up. And there are people. So like, I hate that a little less because at least they're keeping it in the collector community. Like being like, Hey, I got this as a bargaining chip towards something else. Right. Um, but I've also seen, like, I've seen people come in that, I, I mean, and this isn't like to knock them or anything, but they're like, they do this stuff in their part time. Like they've got a full time job, they do something else and they just have like a side hustle of reselling games, like flipping games. And it's fine. I mean, I, if, if eventually it comes to my store, I end up paying the price I would have paid for it if anybody brought it in the door. So it's fine if it ends up coming to me. Um, but you know, like I had, and this was a year ago. I had three copies of NCAA 14 football for Xbox 360. And now we had three of them and we had them for like 50 bucks a piece. And at the time they were starting to go up on eBay. They were like 60, 70, but we had three of them and we weren't selling them. So, you know, and I could have pulled them and waited for them to go higher, but we bought it at a price to sell at a certain price. And so we, I don't play that game. You know, like we don't, we don't go through our store after a year and start pulling all this stuff that went up in value and marking all the prices up. If it's been sitting there a year, at that price, why do you expect it to sell when you raise the price, right? Right. So, you know, so so someone picked up, like, all three copies, and, you know, and he asked, he's like, hey, is it okay if I buy all these? I'm like, it's fine. I mean, we haven't, who cares, you know? I mean, like, I, I can kind of <laughs> see your point where we could have sold it to three people in the area that really wanted it. Um, and ultimately, this person ended up selling them on Amazon, got, like, I think 100 bucks a piece or something, you know, and I'm, and I'm glad for him, good flip for him, you know, because I know what that feeling is like, too, when you go to and you see something at a really good price, and it's like, oh, I'm going to get this at a really good price. Um, but I see your point of if I had sold them locally to people, that might have come back to us. Someone might have sold it back to us after they were bored with it, sold it to a friend, and their friend sold it back to us. Like, that's why we don't sell anything on eBay at our stores, because we we live in a small market. If we take all the yeah. cool, rare, weird stuff and we ship it all out to California and New York and all into Texas, we won't have any cool, rare stuff in our area anymore. <laughs> so, you right. know, we need to kind of like we're not New York City. We're not we don't have millions of people around here to uh, to to like, you know, keep us stocked. And and so I've kind of seen all sides of it, but I'm 100 percent with you when it comes to the switch, especially like this sort of stuff is this is the definition of scalping when you're buying something that is in stock and then you're selling it for over MSRP. Um, yeah. As as a business, like when I worked at GameStop, it was the same kind of thing, man. I mean, you try to stop what you can, but it's not our job. And and there's only so much you can do if they really want to trick you. If, if they want to come in and then have their mom come in behind them and buy each buy a Wii, <laughs> there's nothing you can do about that. You know, like what are you gonna do? Start shaking everybody down and making them mad, and then getting you know bad surveys and stuff. Um, speaking about the Wii situation, you'll remember this too because we were both there at the same time. But like the when the Wiis were in short supply, it was almost a whole year. I don't think people realize that. Yeah. That the the first week the Wii was out, it was not hard to find. The second week the Wii was out, it was a little like it wasn't hard to find. They were just starting to sell, and then f- for like I would say like six months, it was hard to find. 
Then every Christmas for three years, it was hard to find. Every Christmas. I, I'll, I'll and, never forget that. that and I, there was usually one game that was also incredibly hard to find. Yes. Uh, Mario Kart was, was that game yeah. for like a year. And then there was the uh, Super Mario All-Stars game that I drove 500 miles to get the worst woman on the planet a copy of Man. that game. May she burn in hell. Um, <laughs> um, but but uh, and I I remember like I remember the UPS guy would come in with his cart, and then you'd see like three or four people like scurry in behind him like, yeah, 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 and they're and they're like, are there wees there? Does he have we? Are there wees? And now I'm sure you could do this too. I knew exactly what boxes the wees came in. They actually shipped yeah. direct from Nintendo, so they had very specific packaging. If I saw that there were Wii's on there, I would just look at it and be like, nope, there's no Wii's on this, so we're not expecting any. Like, I wasn't playing that game of people following the UPS guy into our <laughs> store and waiting for Wii systems. Just crazy stuff. And there were. There were people. There was a lady who would try to buy as many as she could, and she came in every day looking for the shipment, and she bought. She must have at least bought three or four before we finally said, yeah, we're not selling anymore to you because we want to try to get more to other people that aren't selling them to someone else. And, and I don't know. And so I'm with you. It's frustrating to me as someone who does resell stuff. I don't. I I do not like this at all. I I don't like I don't I don't like the manipulation of something that's going to be back in stock and everyone will be and this will all be over come summer. Like there won't be switches hard to find come summer. And so I'll, it's it's frustrating. I definitely hear you, you know. This is my origin story on why I hate resellers. Um so Best Buy like 10 years ago did a weird markdown sale where they, it was a kind of a quasi advertised sale online. Uh, I saw it on cheap ass gamer and uh, any game that had a yellow sticker on it was going to be 10 bucks. And so like it was a Sunday, the store opened up a bunch of people rushed in the, the store and uh, cheap ass gamer had it like they had like spreadsheets in their forums of like the games that are going to be worth the most money to resell. Yeah. At, like after you buy it. Yeah. Uh, and so like um, a racing game was one of those games that was like worth a huge amount of money. And then like um, quantum of solace for PS three was worth like 20 bucks if you bought it for 10. And so I went in and there was like two games that I wanted. So I got my two games and this little kid and his dad, the kid was probably eight or nine, and he wanted a copy of Quantum Solace for PS PS3. Now, little does he know the game's terrible, but right, yes, it is. That's, that's, that's the only reason that him and his dad went to that that sale. the The kid wanted it, and the dad was probably like, "Fine, we'll get you that game because it's only going to be ten bucks." Well, one of the cheap ass gamer guys had a stack of games like this this high like and he had bought or he had picked up every single copy of quantum of Solace of course, PS3. Of course. Yeah. and so this little kid went to this reseller guy and he asked him he's like hey like can i get a copy of that quantum of solace game it's the only game i wanted and this jerk was like no it's i it's mine it's like <laughs> oh, dude like the the eight dollars worth of profit that you're gonna make from selling yeah. that 
is worth crushing that little like seven or eight year old spirit like what is wrong with you <laughs> like what are you a human some like, what the hell some resellers are like that though and you make a good point about yeah. the, the little bit of profit you make i mean i've talked to people that'll run around all over the state to buy like an n64 collection that once they're done selling it over the six months it takes them to sell everything they make 50 bucks and yeah. I'm like, so, I mean, that's cool. I mean, and, and don't get me wrong. The, the, the thrill of the flip, I get it. I mean, I, I yeah. love it. I experience it in my business a lot. And I understand that feeling, like that feeling of buying low and selling high. It is addictive and I get it. And people on this podcast are familiar. And I think I've mentioned them to you too, but there's the, my, um, the, my friend from Minnesota who, you know, who he got that bug. He bought that first collection. He sold it and made some money. And then he got that itch. So he pawned all of his stuff to afford this massive collection from a Nazi in wherever he was from. <laughs> and then the Nazi stuff was all in terrible condition. He brought it to me. I said it wasn't worth hardly anything. And it was really rough. And that was a tough conversation. But he still has the bug, man. It, even like a yeah. week before we closed down, he was talking about having another collection he wanted to bring in. And I was like, oh, I don't know, man. I'm just not really in the you know, collection buying mood right now. I mean, like we just, you know, we were super busy from the holidays. We had so much stuff built up over the store. We were working all these projects. I'm like, I just don't really have the ability right now to take in. Like, I mean, yes, I do, but do I want to was kind of more of it. Like, like, do I have the, the mental like capabilities right now to take on like a 10 or $15,000 game lot, the effort to go through it all and process yeah. it and everything. And, and, and not that I'd ever turned down a lot like that. It's just that because of our history, like he's had some of the best stuff I've ever had. He's had a 10 out of 10 sale to me and he had a zero out of 10. So the, <laughs> and the last one that came in was about a six or seven out of 10. So it, it's like, it can be all over the place. So I, I make the commitment that I'm going to buy all this stuff and then it comes in. But anyway, the, the point of that story as I get off tangent there, but uh, was that, that, that bug is real. Like I get it. You know, but yeah. I, I wish there were a lot less casuals in it because this actually this happened just a few months ago too. Um, you know, somebody who who buys and sells from us a lot was like, "Hey, man, you know, uh, I'm just getting out of the game. I don't really feel like game collecting anymore. I'm just gonna sell you all my stuff." And then so they do it for a couple years, and then they just decide that like collecting games isn't cool anymore, and they start collecting like like this guy was collecting motorcycles. He wanted to get a new motorcycle, <laughs> so he sells all of his games. And then how many years it'll be before he sells his motorcycles and then buys? whatever else you know and so i i get it i get the thrill um but there's also something missing in a lot of those people like it's 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 an innate selfishness that they have that that is like that that thought of making that money and that great score completely you know overtakes the thought of hey man i could make this kid's day if i was just like oh yeah here you go like i remember i was doing a black friday at walmart the very first year i had my store it was the first black friday i ever went to because i always had to work every other black friday and I went to Walmart and I went, it was funny because they had these bins full of all the games that were going to be on sale and they had opened up the glass cases as well because the games were also in the glass cases and they just opened up the glass cases and I knew what games I was going to buy for what prices. And so they were open before midnight. So I went and I grabbed every game <laughs> I wanted at like 1130. I just picked out nice. like a stack of 30 games and I just had my, my cart there and I'm like, well, these are all the games I'm going to get at discount. And then a friend of mine, his wife was there and she's like, oh, I was looking for a copy of something for her her husband who's my friend and and i was like oh my god here and i had like two of them it was only two of them and i was like oh yeah here, here take this one you know like it just it didn't that's just how we're wired you know yeah and, and a lot of people aren't unfortunately so 
so I'm I I definitely understand like the reselling is weird, you know, because it I I don't want to I don't I don't want to come down on somebody for hustling, you know, and yeah. and trying to make some money. Like I get it, and and the the there's a real fun to buying something cheap and selling it for more money. Like there's a real high there that you can get. But now there it is there also is the middle one, of the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, People are trying to get a switch. There is one person that that does the resale hustle thing that I don't mind. Uh, do you know Brian? Well, keep, keep, uh, well, just keep all names out of Brian, it, but just well, tell Brian me the story. B. Uh, well, he's, he's awesome because like one, when he would come in and he'd sell you a bunch of stuff, like, like he would bring you so much stuff to trade that you'd be like, all right, who is this guy? The first time he shows up, right, because right. like he knows, he knows like he'll buy something on one website that, like would cost them like ten dollars and then for some reason gamestop like if you traded in a certain number of things the the game would go from being like a 15 dollar game to trading in for like 50 dollars yeah and so like he had it so figured out that like he'd bring you a stack of 30 games and you'd go through them all and you'd be like all right you're getting 940 dollars yeah (laughs) <laughs> and for somebody to get that much worth of trade-in credit out of GameStop is insanity. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it was really funny when you'd see, like, a little kid that would, like, be watching me do his trade. And then I would tell them how much he's getting. And the kid would just be like, oh, my God. <laughs> it's just an unfathomable <laughs> amount of money to that young child. Right. <laughs> well, and, like, it's just unfathomable compared to, like, what most things do yeah. trade-in for. And so he would work the system, but then he's also the kind of guy that if you needed a copy of a game and he had it, he'd give it to you or he'd, he'd sell it to you for what he paid for it. And he'd be like, Oh yeah, dude, here. And so like, yeah, he, he, he did the hustle, but he's also buying things that aren't in super high demand. Well, right. Like his hustle was almost more like he was buying things that were for whatever reason were available to everybody but he was almost more manipulating the buyback price and then he would just buy whatever he wanted with the credit yeah i mean like that makes total sense to me i I mean i i did that too like whatever gamestop has a good deal on you know like when they would just do like the five and get an extra 50 percent you know like i could take certain games that that i would sell on the shelf would get as much money and trade in (laughs) you know so like oh yeah i'm gonna take those and just get some instant credit and buy a couple new games and then sell the new games right away and it's instead of having, you know, five old games that weren't selling, I'll have one new game that sells great, you know? Um, but yeah, so ultimately that's, that's pretty much the story, you know, that it's obviously switches are hard to find and they would be anyway, but there are bot programs out there that scoop these things up and it's, it's, I'm impressed by the technology, but not impressed by the, (laughs) by the lack of humanity with it. It's just, I mean, it's not like you're making that much. And, and most times, I don't know about eBay and Amazon, but I know like on Facebook groups, especially around here, if you try to list anything like this higher price than that, that higher price, you get blasted, you know, like, like yeah. all the people in those groups typically won't put up with that um, because they've got kind of their own little click of like, we still are trying to be decent, mm. you know, like, like we're, we're resellers and we're traders too, but like, we're not, we're not here just to get the, like the slimiest deal we can get, you know? I'm not a part of any buy sell trade group on Facebook. Um, they're interesting because now, now that Facebook Marketplace exists, those groups are kind of pointless. 
because mm-hmm. like you can just sell stuff on the marketplace now and so a lot of the groups have just turned into like video game forums where people just talk to each other or oh, okay. what i've been seeing a lot lately is people will just post people who are having stuff at high prices and they'll just make fun of them which <laughs> i don't really like because sometimes people just don't know and and even if they do know it's their right to put it whatever price they want you know like like if they said hey i got a new switch and it's 400 bucks you're like it's only supposed to be 300 well He's allowed to put it up there for for four hundred. I mean, and I guess they're allowed to make fun of him for it. So you know, it's, yeah. it is what it is. Um, but uh, all right. So then we'll get into the story about the PlayStation Five, and then we'll do our games of the week pickup piles. We'll get on. Uh, uh, let's see. We'll get on our way. Oh 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 oh! Something closed out. All right. Here we go. I'm still here. You're still here. <laughs> all right. Here we go. So next up on the podcast today, John, we're going to be talking about the PlayStation 5 again and a recent article from Bloomberg that said that Sony plans to produce far fewer units of its upcoming PlayStation 5 in its first year than it had for the previous generation's console launch, according to people familiar with the matter. The article goes on to say the Tokyo-based tech giant is limiting its initial production run in part because it expects the PS5's ambitious specs to weigh on demand by leading to a high price at launch, the people said, asking not to be identified because the subject is private. The global COVID-19 pandemic has affected Sony's promotional plans for the new device, but not its production capacity. Now, here's the meat and potatoes, John. The company has told Assembly Partners it would make 5 to 6 million units of the PS5 in the fiscal year ending March 2021, according to other people involved in the machine's supply chain. When Sony released the PlayStation 4 in November 2013, it sold 7.5 million units in the first two quarters. So basically, what they're saying is in the first quarter, so the holiday 2020 into technically their quarter four, but it'll be into 2021, March 2021, there will be five to six million PS5s that were that are made. And okay. that in 2013 into March of 2014, the PlayStation 4 sold 7.5 million units. So what they're saying is there could be potentially 2.5 million less PS5s than there were PS4s. The article goes on to say the PS5's loftier price tag may also deter initial take-up. Game developers who have been creating titles for the next PlayStation anticipate its price to be in the region of $500 to $550. And Bloomberg Intelligence's Matthew Canterman points to increased component costs pushing up the price required for Sony to break even. Sony has struggled with its price-setting decision for the PS5 because of scarce components, Bloomberg News has reported. A Sony spokesman declined to comment. So, that's the article. Uh... When, when you see that initially, it's jarring because you think, uh-oh, why are they making less PlayStation 5s than they made PS4s? What's the problem? Um, I don't know about you, but I don't see a problem because I actually totally agree with what they're saying. The The price point has been anticipated to be at least $500 for the last like few months. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's going to be $499. I still think they're going to hit that number um, because they don't release consoles at $549. And I think they're crazy was, if they go to five ninety nine. I was going to mention that. I was going to say, have has there ever been a system that was not a not rounded to the nearest hundred? Not in its initial price release. Like obviously we've yeah. had price drops and stuff, but uh, no. So uh, I think it's going to be four ninety nine. But yes, I think that's very fair to say. 
especially since we're technically going to be coming off this pandemic, we don't know where the economy is going to be in the next eight months. No, it, it could, it could be a mess for Christmas, which arguably the economy wasn't super great leading into the launch of the PS3. <laughs> so, and they released that thing at 600, 500 or 600, depending on the model. Yeah. You got. Um, and so, yeah, they, they took out a hundred dollars just to take out the Wi-Fi card and put in a smaller drive. <laughs> <laughs> um so Which it cost them more money to make that crappier version of the console yeah uh so let me ask you this then i would say i guess the question i'd like to ask you getting off topic a little bit right away how much would you like if the playstation 5 is 499 at launch or 549 at launch are you buying one at launch i I mean, short of job instability, I would say that I will buy both consoles at launch. All right. Regardless of of price, unless they were insanely stupid. Like a a $700 PS5, I would say no to. Yeah. Um, Actually, what's funny is I think even $599 to me, uh, it's not that I won't ever buy one, but I won't buy it right away. Like, who cares? I mean, the, the greatest software is not usually available right away anyway. And if yeah. they're still putting out some PS4 bangers at the end of the year, I mean, well, not there's much coming at the end of the year, but I'm assuming Last of Us is probably going to get pushed to, like, October. Um, yeah. Uh, more the, the the spooky season. um, Or even November, possibly. So if they do that, and then you've got Cyberpunk coming out, you know, like, I don't need a PlayStation 5 day one. Uh, PlayStation 4, arguably, I struggled with having a really good launch title for that. And I, and I'm not saying there weren't games that people liked. I didn't like kill zone and I love infamous one and two. And I did not like infamous second son. It just didn't grab me. I don't know. I don't know why it didn't grab me. Um, but, uh, my favorite launch title was actually, and and I say this as someone who does not prefer the Xbox console. My favorite launch title was dead rising three. I thought that I I wish that had been on PS4. That is also my favorite launch title. Um, Uh, and, and I, I was talking to my buddy Kevin about that the other day because um, he he's like, dude, I was watching videos of Dead Rising 2 and I suddenly want to play it. And he's like, what's the one that had the awesome DLC for it? And I was like, that was Super Ultra Dead Rising 3 EX Edition plus Alpha. And right. it's only on Xbox. <laughs> and it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was great. That was a, that was a really good game. It was fun. Um, yeah. And the, the DLC was fantastic. I It's a shame that, that Capcom squandered that uh that development studio by forcing them to make exclusive games i think yeah i think they would still be around if uh, dead rising 3 and dead rising 4 released on both consoles in the a normal amount of time yeah because they brought dead rising 4 eventually but dead rising 3 was actually published by microsoft right or funded yeah. by microsoft uh maybe both <clears throat> but uh yeah dead rising 3 lagged behind, or dead rising 4 lagged behind by a year though yeah um yep. so the what I want um, out of both consoles is I'm hoping that another retailer besides GameStop lets me put money down on a console. Um, sure. You mean because like I, I like would like partial payments on a pre-order, right? Like yeah, GameStop I would, like would be, do. I would like to go to Best Buy and throw a hundred bucks at them and secure an Xbox X and a PS4 or a PS5. Um, I don't want to like, I don't want to throw all of that on a credit card and I like, I can pay it off over time, 
but I don't necessarily want to drop a grand in October or November. Like, yeah. So, no, so I'm, yeah, I'm hoping, yeah. I'm hoping I have another option because I don't want to shop at GameStop anymore. Like I don't want to give them a lot of money. I, I don't respect the, what they've done with during this whole pandemic. And so I'm, I'm kind of done with them. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And, and so when it comes to the PS five, then this article, some, there's a few things that bug me in this real quick. Let me get to this. Um, so there were anonymous sources are the ones who had said that they were going to make less because they didn't. Mm-hmm. And, and it said, according to other people involved in the machine's supply chain, so that doesn't even necessarily mean anyone from Sony. <laughs> like that could just be like the warehouse manager in charge of the manufacturing plant or whatever, you know? Um, but it makes sense to me. Like, I don't think five to 6 million units compared to 7.5 is that big of a deal. Uh, I, I mean, obviously you want to sell more and you got to have more to sell more, but I do agree that if the machine's 500, it's going to sell less than if it was at 400 I mean, the PS4 launched right, at 399 absolutely. and 399, I'll tell you is still the magic number. If they could have somehow got the five down to 399, it would, it would murder at that price. I know they can't and I don't expect them to, but my God, it would just destroy it at that price. I um, do think that Microsoft is going to undercut the PlayStation. I, I think that uh, that Spencer is waiting for the PlayStation to make their announcement for I, price. I mean, for the I think what's going to happen is the, the Series X, I don't think they can. I just think it's too, with the components they have in there, I don't think they can. But they've got that, um, what's the, the lesser version, like the Series S or whatever they're going to come out with. I could see that being 100 bucks less than the PS5. And that's an option to say, hey, look, our Xbox is cheaper, even though it's, you know, they're kind of clipped down version, you know. Bill Spencer did a interview with uh, IGN's Beyond or not Beyond podcast, the Inside Xbox podcast, and uh, or whatever the heck it's called, and um, he basically said that they have the leeway to be competitive on price. <laughs> sure, well, I can, I, yeah. So, if any company could, it'd be them. Yeah, yeah, because they they have the the funding and they have they have money in the bank that they could eat it on consoles to get them in your house. So I, I definitely, after hearing that interview and the way that, that Phil Spencer sounded so cocky about it, that it really makes it seem like they want to very much not repeat the launch of the Xbox one and being the more expensive console. Yeah. Um, but but so again, yeah, I, I think they're going to be competitive. Yeah, and 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 I I think they're going to both be four ninety nine because I actually think the Xbox, if you price it at what it the components, the X the Series X should probably have been closer to six. Yeah. And I think they're going to come out at five. I think they're going to go toe to toe at four ninety nine. I mean that's what I I mean I I hope they go toe to toe at three ninety nine. But that's just cause that's what I want. I realistically I think they'll go toe to toe at four ninety nine. But that's that's interesting to hear. And you're right, Microsoft has the money to spend on that. I just keep thinking just like Google in that regard though. Like when is Microsoft going to stop throwing money (laughs) at the Xbox division? (laughs) You know, like a company that is successful in everything else it does for the most part makes all of its money in, 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 uh, you know, in cloud tech and in all this other stuff. Why are they still throwing money at this like plastic box to try to get in people's homes? Not that there isn't money there once it obviously goes to like a streaming service and xCloud could be really cool. I'm really excited to see more about xCloud and, you know, but I I don't know. I just feel like there's going to, that's also the type of company that while it's the same type of company that can 
chuck $100 out the window per console on a loss because Sony used to do it back in the day with other systems. I mean, Sony ate, ate loss on plenty of consoles in the past. Microsoft could do it, but that's also the same kind of company that all of a sudden on the, on the flip of a switch, be like, okay, we're not doing this anymore, you know? And so it makes me nervous. I don't think there ever won't be a Microsoft gaming division. I just don't know how mm-hmm. much longer there's going to be. I mean, but ultimately this might be the last hardware generation we see, you know I mean? It's, I mean like disc based for sure. Um, but who knows? I mean, where you don't know where streaming tech's going to go in the next seven, eight years. So I think, I think game pass is, I think they're trying to position themselves to be the Netflix of video game. Sure. So sure. I think, I think that's why they're still pushing in the video game sector. And I think that they're looking at how much money that, that, uh, that Netflix dumps into making new content every year. And good Lord, just imagine, just imagine if a video game company dumped like $20 billion yeah, into, into making, making fresh games. games. For just like, their, yeah. holy crap, which that would be amazing. Which didn't we talk about that with the Epic Store? Like that was their new like publishing deal they were coming out with yeah. where they were basically, that's kind of what they were doing. And then they were going to leave all the IP rights belong to the developers. They were doing a better revenue split and they were pumping in like all this money. And so, yeah, I mean, but but not quite as much money as <laughs> Netflix is putting into their You're stuff. You're right. Um, no, I, I totally agree with that. I just, here's what I worry about. Um, with that, because I don't think AAA games making enough money, and let's say AAA that's not owned by Microsoft, I don't think they'd make enough money off of a streaming service like that to sustain AAA development. I think it works fine for indies and smaller games, um, but it's it's like, and this is kind of the thing I, I, I get a lot of flack for all the time when I call people out on this, but, you know, pe- people always talk about supporting the devs, supporting the devs. And I totally agree with that. I think support the developers and and push for, you know, better creativity. But then those are the same people that'll say, oh, I don't want to buy their album. I'm just going to listen to it on Spotify. And they get, you know, <laughs> like, a, like an, a, 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 a band's album on Spotify where they get, you know, one cent for every hundred plays it gets or something as opposed to them getting the 20 30 to $60 sale for their software. So that's my only concern when, when games go all streaming, which as much as Stadia, in my opinion, was and is and will continue to be a flop, <laughs> at least they were trying to still sell the games. So the developers were still getting full price. Yeah. But I don't think that model is sustainable. Like, I don't know what the perfect model is for game streaming. For us, if, if it's $10 a month and I just get to play whatever I want, that's an amazing deal for the consumer. But it, whatever an amazing deal for the consumer it means someone else is not getting an amazing deal. <laughs> so either Microsoft's not getting a good deal or the developer and publisher are not getting a good deal. So that's my only I, concern with, with the streaming as a whole is how, how do we monetize the system so that the developers get a bunch of money to make better games and the customers like us don't get just raked over the coals trying to pay for it. I got to figure that there's got to be like, there's got to be a positive to Game Pass from the pub the developer publisher standpoint because like like if you look at ea or not ea um sony's uh version of this uh what is it what is the playstation version of playstation now playstation okay so playstation now had grand theft auto they they were like oh we have grand theft auto 5 and they had it for three months and then it was gone well Grand Theft Auto has been on Game Pass for like six months 
and has no there, yeah. there's no indication that it's going anywhere. So the it, it seems like their their contracts are better and they're a little bit more consumer friendly. And then like um, so games like um, Yakuza, which has never been on the Xbox console before, is now on. They did Yakuza Zero a month and a half ago. And they just dropped Ikuza Kiwami on Xbox as well. They're both straight into Game Pass. Yeah. And they're not even on disc. So, like, Sega developed those games because Microsoft threw enough money at them to put them in Game Pass. Yeah, and I think... like. Microsoft is is kind of doing what Epic's doing right now though too is they are willing to put more money into it than when it's the standard. But you're right, like they uh, they must be throwing something at them because people are yeah. putting their games up there and leaving them up there and if it's it obviously is outpacing the sales or they would just make yeah. it available for sale, especially a game like Grand Theft Auto which you'd assume everybody has to own by now, <laughs> but apparently right. not. Yeah. I I'm I'm just hoping that that Sony is paying attention to what Microsoft is doing in the terms of game pass and making uh their their version of that a little bit more user friendly and uh cost effective like i know th- apparently they just dropped the price down to 60 bucks flat for a year which is getting there like the the only thing holding me back would be library and then i don't like that it's streaming versus download like yeah. I like that on on Game Pass, you can just download the whole game, and you don't have to wait for don't have to wait. You don't have to worry about buffering your internet speed. Yeah, um, so Sony is really far behind in in that streaming service. I totally agree with you there, and I they need to do something this generation to catch up. And I really hope they do. I really hope yeah. they do. But I I don't know. I mean I mean the Game Pass is sweet, and like I don't have it anymore. I had it when it was five cents a day, <laughs> and I kept it because it was like a really sweet deal. And then once I didn't have it at that price anymore, I realized, you know, I don't really use it that much, so I won't need it. And there's been a few times where I've thought, hey, I should get Xbox Live again. I want to play the Fast Star Online beta. But yeah. it's coming to PC soon enough, so I'll just wait a little bit longer. But Well, and uh, it's it's not even beta anymore. You can just play it. Oh, right, right, yeah. And, and, and so I, actually, you might be able to play that without having Xbox Live because uh, the, the free-to-play... MMOs that have like microtransaction stuff built in, you don't need Xbox Live to play. Interesting, but you don't you need Xbox Live to play Fortnite though? So there are some you do and some you don't. Uh oh, maybe I'm wrong. I, feel on like, that. I don't play it on I, Xbox. I mean I could be wrong too. But um, I, I know that that's how Sony does it is that they have like if it's a free to play game, it does not require PlayStation Plus. But I thought yeah. Microsoft still had to do that. I thought you still had to, but but again it could be the it could be up to the game doesn't necessarily yeah, I could be wrong I I haven't not had Xbox Live in like 12 13 years I know, and I don't I don't yeah and I don't like that I don't have it and I, I and ultimately I want to get the whole thing where it's got the PC and everything so I can just like play games yeah. on my PC and then you know have game pass on PC I want I want all that you know and I want to stream it to my TV in my living room and like I want all that I'm not you know contrary to what everyone thinks who watches this channel I'm not anti Xbox <laughs> I just prefer the PlayStation um, but I, but the Xbox is doing cool stuff with Game Pass. I do like it. Um, it saved me sixty dollars, so I didn't buy the Outer Worlds. And uh, <laughs> it is a neat for me. It's a neat way to try out some of these weird indies that I probably wouldn't have bought and never tried. But since it was free, I'm yeah. like, well. I'll t- and what I usually do is I'll download like two games, and I'll play both of those, and I'll play them a little bit or play them a lot, whatever I do, and then I'll delete those, and then I'll start two more. So I kind of do two at a time just to keep it limited. I don't just go and download everything. But 
just my own personal now, take. Getting back to getting off our giant tangent that I got us on. Um, so I don't think that it's going to be as big of a deal to for PlayStation to have 2 million less consoles because I don't know if we're going to have games for those systems because I think that the the pandemic stuff is probably going to delay a ton of stuff that would have hit launch. I think it's so, a, I think it's a fair point, sure. So I I think a lot of it is going to be like uh well yeah, I do want a PlayStation 5, but I can play Last of Us 2 on the PlayStation 4. So what's what's my reason to run out and buy a PS5? Right. And they they really haven't shown us anything as far as next gen games go like the only game for next gen that i can think of that's first party that i know for sure is next gen is like halo 5 and that's or halo infinite halo infinite yeah and it's still it's getting an xbox one version but it will also be on it'll also be an xbox one series x game right away so like everything else can be played on both systems. And that, that goes for Sony. Sony has really not talked about their next-gen plans at all other than Mark Cerny wanting to get up in your ears. Right, D- Dana Carvey's uh, ears. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, no, I'm totally with you, and I think that info will come. They did say that in the article that the reveal plans got pushed because of the COVID situation. So I'm assuming they were going to do it at E3, but even that's weird for Sony because they're not attending E3. They're not doing a presser anymore. So maybe they were just going to wait for that time, but I'm sure they're going to do it when they feel it's necessary. I obviously there's gonna be a lot of surprises and, and, and like stuff that we don't know yet, but uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I'm not too concerned about it personally. I mean, like you look at that and you go, wow, 2 million less units. I, I mean, it's by March and by March they'll have, any sort of stock issues will be taken care of. They'll make more depending on how the sales go in that quarter. And let me tell you, they've got warehouses ready to go. If all of a sudden in the month of March and December, they sell out at a higher rate than they think they can push production faster. Like, like that's something yeah. that they're going to be set up to do. Now that doesn't mean that you're going to get them in a week, but that means that after a month, they'll be more readily available. Like that doesn't mean they couldn't still get to 7 million by that end of that March, you know, it's possible, but I think they're playing it smart. They don't want to fill stores with a $500 device. That's just sitting there, not selling, you know, that's not good for anyone. It's not good for the store relationship. It's not good for their sales numbers and everything. So, but yeah, interesting stuff. So I'm really curious. I'm with you though. I want to hear the rest. I'm I'm ready for this PlayStation five info. Yep. Same. All right, so that's all we had for stories then today, John, and I think you're in the same boat as I, where we don't have a ton of stuff in our pickup piles of the week because, well, we can't go anywhere. And I was telling you before the podcast today, I was supposed to have something come today, and the delivery person, I needed to sign for it, and the delivery person just put the tag in my mailbox and said I wasn't home, (laughs) but they didn't come (laughs) to the door and try to see if I was home because I was home. Um. I had off today, so I was not your mailman. All right. Well, I expect you to go in there and just tear someone's ass apart for me. But um, so let's talk about our games of the week first, and then we'll do our pickup pile of the week. John, what is your game of the week this week? Uh, well, I totally forgot to grab one. Uh, All right. So I'm just going to talk about it. Um, <laughs> Perfect. 
Uh, so my game of the week would be Ratchet and Clank going commando. Uh, and really, Up Your Arsenal and Going Commando are both fantastic. Um, incredible. So if you have not. Incredible names, oh, by right. the way. Incredible names, yes. by the way. <laughs> like, let's yeah, just. Somebody, somebody yeah. at Insomniac is a juvenile, and somebody else at Insomniac was like, yes, go you. Yes. And, and then, and then <laughs> some. Yeah. So someone at, someone is juvenile and has stones, you know. <laughs> the size of pavers because they just went like, yeah, we're going to call it up your arsenal. And, uh, you yeah. know, yeah. well, they also had quest for booty on PS3. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Going commando, man. I love it. I think that's, I think that's hilarious and it's neat to see. Yeah. But okay. But sorry. The, the PS, PS2 wretched and clank games. The, the first one was okay, but two and three with their, the gun upgrade system, the new weapons they had, um, they were doing Mario Galaxy style planets that you'd be able to like actually see the planet revolve as you're running around it years before Mario Galaxy ever existed. Um, and you can you can get uh, up your arsenal and um, going commando also on the PS4 or PS3 and the PlayStation Vita in the Ratchet and Clank collection. Uh, I also need to buy the Vita version import of the Ratchet and Clank collection from you. So let mm-hmm. me know when you're open because I'm going to buy that. Um, so That's yeah, right. Ratchet we had Clank, that set aside for you and everything. Yeah, Ratchet and Clank, Going Commando, uh, or Up Your Arsenal. They're all they're both equally fantastic, um, and they're cheap too. Yeah, and it, it, I know I had mentioned this. I don't think it was last week. Maybe it was the week before. But I just I struggle with third-person platformers on the PS1, PS2. I don't know. I just never got into them. And, like, my brother loved Jack and Daxter and Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper and Tack and the Power of Juju and iNinja and Sphinx and, you know, like, and, and, and Metal Arms and all the other ones you can think of. I just never got into them. And I, I, I can't say that I wouldn't enjoy them if I played them now, but, yeah, I don't know. It's never, never, never appealed to me, but... Man, the customers absolutely love it. Like Ratchet and Clank's a game yeah. that always sells out. I mean, always sells out. For me, I never understood Jack. Like, I couldn't get, and I was never a Crash Bandicoot fan either, really. Um, so I didn't understand the fervor behind the Jack series, the Crash Bandicoot series. But Ratchet and Clank grabbed me, and uh, I never played Spyro when it came out but I own them all because I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I played Spyro Remastered and I was like, holy crap, this game is fantastic. And it it holds up. The gameplay feels fantastic. And that game is beautiful. The, yeah, if, if you haven't played the Spyro games, the, the remaster is great. Nice. So what is your game of the week? So... Uh, we're st- we're still we're we're trudging through the PS1 collection. Okay, we're still going through, <laughs> but we're in the T's now. Um, I this is also so last week we talked about one of my all time favorite RPGs. We're sticking with that theme. This is probably a top ten RPG for me. It's it's way up there. Um, starts with a T. You want to take a guess? Uh, for some reason I was thinking the. Uh, I was thinking the PS2 game like two Sagani. Oh, but then Su- I was Sugani. Like yeah, but then the in my <laughs> head I had the the box art for Hoshi, Hoshigami. Hoshigami. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so well, I was. You're... I had two very wrong games in my brain. <laughs> yeah, you're wrong twice. So I picked Tales of Destiny two. Okay. Um, I it's just a really good RPG. I picked this up at the Shopco next attached to Bay Park Mall. 
when I was working at the GameStop there. And I wish I had gone back because they had like six copies that were just still sealed. And this was after the PS2 was out. And I think I bought my copy for maybe 30 or 40 bucks. I didn't really get a good deal on it or anything. And just a really, really good RPG. Um, the, the Tales games have real-time combat. This is back when they only brought the good Tales games here. Uh, now okay. they bring everything, so it's really watered down, like the experience of Tales games here in the States. But Tales of Destiny 2 is super good. It's got live-action combat, but it's side-scrolling, so it, it's a lot like um, Tales of Symphonia. It reminds me a lot of that, actually. Okay. Um, but just really good. And you've got this kind of magical story of, you know, you go to another like dimension type world, but it's like a mirror of yours. And it's just really cool. Like you think the game's over and then it kind of opens up and uh, really cool. Like anime cutscenes. This is actually um, called tales of Eternia. I think is the actual name of this game. And then when they brought it to the U S okay. they just slapped on the sequel to tales of destiny because they, okay. it, it had done okay here. I think is, is how this works um, here, but yeah, tales of destiny Two, another, ps1 rpg like I, i'd have to do a video and really think of a script to break it down but if, if someone asked me what had better rpgs the super nintendo or the ps1 i, I think i'd have to go ps1 i mean in super nintendo bred yeah. the, the the kings i mean chrono trigger final fantasy earthbound i mean these are games that are untouchable how good they are but ps1 i mean my goodness and i'm not even counting like stuff like final fantasy 7 8 and 9 i'm i'm digging deeper tales of destiny 2 breath of fire 3 I mean, just so many, just just absolute uh, killers on that system. The Dragon Warrior Shopkeeper game. The dra- <laughs> exactly. So you're, Do you have that game? Uh, no, I don't. Uh, which one is that? It's like Tornerico or something like that. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's got like a weird pig man on the cover. I think I do have that. Let me check real quick. Hold on. Keep talking All to right. the audience while I go check. Ah oh, crap! Don't ask me to vamp. <laughs> I'm terrible at that. I'll get better one day. Aren't your games like directly behind you? Oh, I don't have it. <laughs> you don't have I, it? I don't have it. Is um, your stuff in alphabetical order? Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. <laughs> Only savages don't put their stuff in order. I have them now. So it's Torneco the Last Hope. Drag- yes. Is it under Dragon Warrior or Torneco? Maybe it's under Dragon Warrior. Is it under Dragon Warrior? No, I don't got it. I don't got it. Oh, well. <laughs> That's on the list. That's probably, your... that's probably a hundred dollar RPG. Is it? Do you think it really is? Uh, if I had to guess, I'd say it's forty bucks. Let me take a look real quick. Oh, okay. Who knows? If I find a good mint condition, one, I'll end up buying it. <laughs> um. Okay. So right now, I could get one as cheap as so it's selling for around sixty bucks. <laughs> Okay. 60 to 70 used. <laughs> oh, dang it. Are you going to buy it? <laughs> no. No, I'm going to I'm gonna spending freeze right now while this all boils oh, over. But uh, I say that after I bought one more thing, the thing that's getting mailed to me now. But yes. I'll be able to talk about that next week. So. All right. So, um, I'm so John, you're, that has a pickup pile? you're the only one who has a pickup pile of the week. What do you got for us? All right, so I have kind of a Final Fantasy themedy thing to go along with my last year's or last week's pickup of uh, remake. So I got Dissidia Final Fantasy NT, another really stupidly named Square game, and just uh, a terrible, terrible fighter. I, I absolutely hate the Dissidia games. <laughs> yeah, they're just I awful. got it for ten bucks. Hey man, I'm not judging you. You know, when I say a game's <laughs> bad, don't worry, I'm not judging you. I promise. Yeah, well, and 
dude, I have worse games than this. You know that. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy a bad game sometimes. Um, so besides, uh, actually, both of my pickups were Walmart clearance products. Um, the next one, much cooler than Dissidia. Uh, so I was picking up uh, some hardwood flooring in the middle of nowhere, Wisconsin, because they were the only Menard state that had the flooring I needed. Mm-hmm. And I decided to stop by their Walmart. And uh, I texted you because I wanted to see if you wanted them to uh, possibly sell in your store. And you said no. Mm-hmm. Um, like a jerk. Not, not, that, um, I, not that I didn't want them. <laughs> uh, but it's hard for me to order product right now to put into a store that isn't open. <laughs> yeah. You know? but, but it is a great price. Great price. So I picked up uh, the Pac-Man, Pac-Man Plus arcade one up uh arcade cabinet for 50 bucks yeah that's a great price man yeah so i uh i put it together last night and uh i was gonna i was gonna hide it and have my daughter lyra uh wake up and like be surprised and she woke up at like two in the morning all groggy like came downstairs and like what is that (laughs) because it was like right right in front of the stairs because I was going to bring it down to my lower level here. And I was like, oh, this is an arcade machine that I got for you. I was going to surprise you with it. <laughs> I was tempted to just put it in her room, like just put it in um, against the wall in her bedroom and then have her wake up in the morning and be like, daddy, daddy, there's a thing in my room. Like, oh, the arcade fairy showed up. Nice. <laughs> well, that'd have been, that'd have been yeah. awesome. Why didn't you do that? Yeah. <laughs> She probably would have woke up and been like, what are you doing? Get out of my room. <laughs> but yeah, I, she played it a bit today and she enjoyed it. It's perf- the perfect size. Um, if you are a four-year-old and you have an extra $300 to spend, you cannot go wrong with a tiny arcade machine. Or if you have 50 <laughs> bucks to spend and you find one at the Walmart Nanago. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, that's that's great. You know what's funny is I saw a picture on Twitter earlier too, where someone had the Street Fighter one that they got for fifty bucks. Were they all marked I, down to fifty bucks? No, because um, they had they had the Marvel or the Marvel superheroes one. They had, um, they might have had the Street Fighter one, and they had one other one. Hmm. And and uh, Galaga Galaxian and the Pac Man one were the only. They were the only ones that were only fifty bucks. Uh, and I decided not to try and pack my wife's car with a second flat packed arcade machine as well as see now, now I wish I had said I wanted it because then I would have forced you to pack it in there. Yeah. I would have figured it out if you want to want it, but (laughs) well, I appreciate that man too. And, and uh, I always appreciate you keeping an eye out looking for me. So I appreciate it. Yep. I enjoy it. So that so that's it. That's we had the arcade machine and Dissidia. That's it. Yep, two Our, games. That that is that is between the two of us. That is a pathetic week of pickups. But what are you gonna do? You know. Yeah. One weird. day we're gonna have every game we want, John. There's not gonna be any more games to get. Yeah, that's not Pro- probably not gonna happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, hey, thank you everybody as always for listening and watching. We always appreciate it. Um, take care of yourselves. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Game Trade Greg. You can follow John at Dryer Combo. You can listen to us on Spotify. You can listen to us on SoundCloud. You can listen to us on iTunes, however you want to do it. And, of course, if you get a chance, you can always subscribe to the YouTube channel. It's youtube.com slash drop rate or twitch.tv slash the drop rate. 
I do some live streams every now and then. We did a charity one, John. We raised about 300 bucks a couple of weeks ago, so that was nice. Um, I actually, in the last three weeks, I spent two of those weeks doing a regular stream schedule. Like every day I was doing like two to five in the afternoon. Um, My God, I have a lot of respect for the people that do that that often. I mean, it's awful. It's awful. Like waking up knowing I have to start doing that at two to five, like it messed up me wanting to like have any sort of freedom whatsoever. Yeah. It was, yeah, it was like, I mean, it's, if, if I did that for five to six hours a day only, even though I work at my store 10 hours a day and I do that like five, six days a week, I wouldn't want to do it. I'd rather go to my store and work any day of the week. Now, did you only play Animal Crossing during that? So I played Animal Crossing, which was actually great. And then I played okay. Final Fantasy VII Remake the first day it was out. That was awful because it's a terrible game to stream because I'm trying to listen to the characters. I'm trying to talk to chat. I'm trying to pay attention because I wasn't paying attention and didn't know where to go and a whole bunch of other <laughs> stuff like that. So, like, it was actually a pretty tough game. But mostly I just did Animal Crossing. And that's a great okay. game to stream. It's just so chill and, like, you can chat with people. And it was great. The, the thing that I find weird about streamers is the guys that do the same game all the time because i if i were to stream i would never be playing the same game from one day to the next i would i I might not be able to be playing the same game from one minute to the next so yeah the that that those minecraft streamers that have been doing it for years just boggle my mind you know what's funny about that though is it's like a catch-22 because they'll lose half their fan base if they stop playing it Right. And so you feel roped into playing that game, which I agree. That sounds awful. And one time at the store, a customer asked me to help her uh, get past a part in a game. And it was Mortal Kombat Shaolin Monks. And Dom and I played it and we got past it. No problem. (laughs) Except I will tell you there's nothing less fun than playing a video game that you don't want to play that you're forced to play. I I know it sounds weird. I can't believe you did that. That is like... It was a customer service. It was a really slow day. (laughs) (laughs) I played Shaolin Monks for you. Um, But anyway, thank you, everybody, as always, for listening and watching. We appreciate you. We'll talk to you next week. Say goodbye, John. See you later. Have a good one, guys. All right. Take care. Bye-bye.